Hello and thank you for choosing Starting Somewhere, the podcast where you hear from someone in the early stages of their working life to find out how they got to where they are, what they actually do every day, and just to get an honest look as to what your life might look like if you also start out in that area. I'm your host, Michael Watson, and I am so thrilled about today's guest. By day, Joey Mamlin serves as technical director, fundraising strategist, and sits on the board for Grassroots Analytics, a D.C.-based political data company that also jointly owns and operates several innovative consumer data companies. At night, Joey is the drummer for the Crystal Casino Band, formerly known as The Colonies, The Crystal Casino Band is an indie rock band who provides a unique take on DIY culture, combining the style of the strokes with the easygoing energy of surf rock, as well as the bravado of the killers. They are also the music sponsor of this podcast. Joey is an incredibly busy person, so I could not be more grateful that he took the time to sit down and talk with me. He goes in-depth about all the things he did in college and how they have launched him into what he does today. He also shares about his experience working in politics, what it's like to be a financial consultant with campaigns, the importance of maintaining a work-life balance, and the benefits of working at a smaller company. Of course, we also talk about everything involving the band, the recording process, what it was like to change their name, and how they get the word out about their music. I really loved this conversation because I think that he offers a really unique perspective as someone who is not only establishing a career, but also pursuing a passion. For anyone that fears that if they work a full-time job, they won't also have the time to do the thing that they really want to do, Joey shows that actually you can do both and be good at it. And then really quick, please stick around for the follow-up after our interview, where I will help to unpack some of what we said, explain any technical jargon used, and thank our sponsors. Also, if you stick around to the very, very end, Joey shared one of my all-time favorite bad day at work stories that you will not want to miss. Please enjoy Joey Mamlin. Joey Mamlin, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate yes. it. Of course, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm honored. I'm an I'm an honored guest. How are you? I'm doing great. I don't I don't think anyone knows this, but actually the first time I was ever on a podcast, and I think the first person I ever knew that had a podcast yeah. was your podcast in high school. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> so you've yeah. been you've been doing this for years. I've always loved podcasts and maybe I've just like probably to a fault love the sound of my own voice uh and just always thought i had interesting things to say i mean obviously i don't know how serious it was like i don't know if i could go back and listen to to an episode of in my opinion which is the name of the show um i'm sure it would make me cringe like really really hard but yeah it was a fun time it was a good time well hey i'm excited to talk about a lot of the stuff that you have done today but i am going to start with the official first question of the podcast which is what did you want to be when you were little um i mean i think probably 
I probably always wanted to be like a musician. Um, that's probably the the thing I wanted to do for the longest. But then probably when I got a little older, like into I don't know, probably early in high school, I I really thought I was gonna you know be a politician of some sort. When I really started to like learn about like one of my passions is definitely American history um, and like specifically American political history and American studies and all that. So I always thought, you know, politics and being a politician or being in the world was like super cool, super interesting. So um, yeah, coincidentally, it just happens to be more or less what I've, I mean, I'm not a politician, but more or less what I've sort of stumbled into. Yeah, that's really interesting. I feel like anyone who I've asked that question to so far um, has not said something that they've actually done. Right. And you just named <laughs> two things, and you have actually done both of those things. It's so wild. then it, yeah. So then you attended uh, GW, G- George Washington University. Yep. Um, the George Washington University. The George Washington University. I'm so sorry. It's, I you you know what everybody who goes to a or a school with the like you have to correct them on it so it's i get it yeah no, i 100% get it <laughs> so what was that decision like to decide to go to gw sure um yeah i mean obviously you know we grew up in the same we, we went to high school together for those who, who didn't know but uh yeah in, in columbus and especially in dublin like you know going to ohio state was just such a i mean ohio state's a great school i would have loved it there i'm sure but at the time, like when I was a senior in high school, I just really, you know, felt like I wanted to do something a little bit different and just like see a new place. Um, and I've always been like sort of enamored with Washington, D.C. Um, and, and I ultimately like the decision really came down to like GW versus Ohio State. Um, and just like at the end of the day, I was just I don't remember who who told who gave me this advice, but somebody I was talking to was like, you know, you can always um the advice i got was basically just like spread your wings now um try and like go do something different in college um and then you know i think it turned out to be the right school for me like i said i'm sure i would have loved ohio state um i would have loved that experience but you know gw obviously set me up uh for a lot of great success so then did you know going into gw that you wanted to major in political science because you got a degree in political science and government so is that something that you knew from day one or did you kind of find that along the way i yeah i think from day one i that's what i wanted to do um like i said i've always been interested in like politics and um, like american studies um and so like i i think it was like day one i wanted to be poli sci then over the years i sort of like explored some different things like I, i have a minor in in U.S. history and like a double major in American studies as well, um, so I did like explore other options, but ultimately like political science just was always going to be the the path I think, um, and it's just what I ended up going with. Okay, and so while you're figuring this out and going through school and not only focusing on like you had said earlier from you know being younger the the aspirations of going into politics or at least right. learning about it you also started a band or were a part yeah. of the forming of a band uh, early on in college, which uh, was not a surprise for someone that knew you, um, given how musically talented you were and how musically oh. involved you were. So it made sense that you were going to do something musical uh, you know, later on in college. But what was, that, what was that experience like, you know, 
starting a band and, and doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually just like a, a wild coincidence that like, I mean, I think you're right that I, I probably would have pursued it in some way or another, whether it be like, you know, through the school, like joining the jazz band or something. Um, but I at orientation, like I literally met, um, you know, Pete Stevens, who has just turned out to be, I mean, we, we like decided to like try and start a band at college orientation. And it was just like basically a match made in heaven. Like, oh, wow. Like we've been, you know, there's been different iterations of the band um, throughout college and now in post-grad, um, but it's always been Pete and I, um, and it's just been like a really great, you know, creative partnership. Um, when I first, when we first started, like, um, you know, I was going to play bass, like bass is probably my primary instrument, um, but it just turned out like to be harder. It, it's harder to find a drummer than a bass player as it turns out. So I was just like, you know what? I can play the drums. Um, I, I sort of like switched basically and we found, you know, another bass player um, whose name is Jordan. He's he he was in the band for three years, left, now is back. Um, and, you know, obviously guitar players, I mean, God love them, but they're a dime a dozen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, good guitar players are, are hard to come by, but everybody wants to play the guitar. Um, so yeah anyway i you know we we just we we started this thing um it's been a lot of fun you know we've we've written and put out a lot of music performed a lot of shows um and it's still just like a really big part of of my life um just like a you know something i i hope to always do yeah and just you know looking down at other things that you had done in college you and you know we can talk a little bit about this but you also worked at a uh, the GW radio station, or you you worked with yeah. them. Um, you were doing a lot in college. I mean, you were mm-hmm. always doing something: school, band, you know, a, a job. Where does that? I, I don't know if it's energy. I don't know if it's ambition. But where does mm-hmm. that want to be? You know, doing all of these different things. Where do you think that comes from? Um. I I want to say it it comes probably from my parents like my my parents I wouldn't say they like pushed me necessarily like I think that's the wrong that has the wrong connotation I I think like my my parents always encouraged me to be like interested in a lot of different things and like try and pursue a lot of different things so like you know I got to college and just like I was interested in you know student radio um obviously you know we talked about like my podcast that I had in high school, like that was sort of an avenue to sort of explore something like that. Um, you know, music obviously presented a lot of opportunities for, you know, I was a leader in like the student musicians coalition for, for a couple of years. Um, and then, yeah, you know, just the, the interest in politics and like being in, in DC, um, you know, during the 2016 election, uh, the, the 2018 midterms, it's just like very uh it was a very exciting time um so that you know just i'm just very interested in a lot of different things and i i think it it goes back to like my parents you know sort of always encouraging me to pursue my interests and just i don't know i just uh yeah i want to be i want to have my hands in a lot of things sure yeah so talk a little bit more in depth about the radio station how did you get involved there and what kind of work were you doing yeah um so I, I think 
how I got involved, you know, I'm, I'm sure I just like, I don't specifically remember. I'm sure I just like saw, you know, some booth at a student org fair, like, like I'm sure most, most schools have like a student radio and a way of recruiting people. But really like, um, the, the way, what really, really compelled me to do it was the opportunity to like do color commentary for, for basketball games. Um, and especially like doing color commentary for the women's basketball team, I, I found to be like a really, really cool opportunity because, uh, that, you know, you're kind of as, as the student radio, uh, um, partner of the team, we were actually like the number, the, the only like radio coverage that they got. Um, so it, we had a lot of access to like, I, I got to interview the head coach before every game. Um, I had several opportunities to go on road trips with them, uh, as far as to, you know, South Dakota. Um, I went to Dayton a couple times. I went up to, to Fordham in New York city, um, with the women's basketball team. And it's it just like, it was such a cool experience. And, you know, I love basketball. Actually, I just had a memory, Michael, of you and I doing, doing a broadcast of a, <laughs> of a coffin basketball game. Yeah, um, we did. We did. We did a couple of basketball games in high school. Yeah, yeah. I kind of forgot about that until i just now was talking about it. But, um, yeah, I, I think I've always just been interested in like, I, I mean, I love basketball. I love sports. Um, in addition to doing the color commentary, I had a, um, like a weekly, like a weekly sports talk show, which like, you know, I don't, I don't, I have no idea if anybody ever listened to it, but it was just a fun, like, you know, sit around for two hours and, and talk about sports. Like, I, I mean, I could do that all day. Um, and it, it was just a great, great experience. I also had like within WRGW, which is the radio station. Um, there's, there's like a lot of different departments. Um, and I, I you know, I, I sort of tried a little bit of everything. Like I did some news, some, some stuff with the news department, which I didn't really find that fulfilling, but, um, I, I had a, a weekly, what was it? A, a music show, like where I was like a DJ basically. Um, and it was like a jazz show. So I got to like play jazz music with, you know, and share it with people like, you know, it, it's just like a lot of fun. Um, a lot of good experiences with, with WRGW. Definitely. And just kind of listening to that and listening to you talk about the other stuff that you've been doing. I know I just talked about how you're, you know, or you were, and I think still are heavily involved in a lot of different things. And it just hit me that also all of those things that you're really interested in are fairly public. I mean, you're, you're really putting yourself out there in all of those different things. There isn't yeah. really one that's necessarily kind of like you behind the scenes, like right. you're on stage with a band, you are the voice of, you know, that basketball team. Yeah. Um, politics is obviously something very public especially when you do uh, specific work within it so um i mean like is that something that really crosses your head at all is that something that you ever have to think about wow i you know like does it does it take a lot for you to build up the courage to do those things or yeah. is it something that is just kind of like i'm interested in them so why would i not do them and at least try because i'm interested in it yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, that's an interesting way of putting it. I never really thought about it like that. And actually, like, it's it's really funny that you mentioned, you know, me feeling comfortable putting myself out there. Like, in, in, in a lot of ways, I sort of feel like I am sort of, you know, I excel in a role where I'm sort of, like, supportive, you know, like, at like at, at, with the band, you know, like, I, I play drums. Like, I'm, I'm sitting behind everybody sort of like driving the bus so to speak um yeah i guess like everybody could see me 
and everybody can, you know, probably notice when I mess up, but, um, yeah, I'm sort of like behind a little bit. And then like with the, you know, with the women's basketball team, like obviously I'm not the one like really performing under pressure. Like, you know, I'm not competing against anybody. Um, and like, you know, with, with the, with the politics, like, you know, I'm not putting myself out there and running for office. So I, I really feel like even though, yeah, a lot of these things are public facing, I still feel sort of like a supportive character in, in all of those avenues. Um, so maybe that's, that's how I like overcome any sort of anxiety or fear about it is because I just think about it as I'm just here trying to, trying to help. Yeah. I mean, it's all about perspective. So if that's yeah. the perspective that it has, it has, right? Yeah, for sure. So let's go back. You know, you're you're working at the radio station. You've got the band going. And then you also start working at the place where you currently work, Grassroots Analytics, which is a political consulting firm. Uh-huh. Um, you started with them as a data engineer in 2017. How did you get started there? Yeah, um, I, I think I saw, you know, that was back, I guess I was a junior in, in college. And I think that's when you, you first like really start looking for like serious internships and serious jobs. Um, and it's actually kind of a funny story. Like I had interviewed for gotten offered and accepted a, an on-campus job, basically like selling tickets for, for basketball games and other sporting events at the Smith center, which is where, you know, GW plays basketball and has all their sports. Um, and I, so I got the job, like signed the offer letter, signed everything ghosted. I never heard from those people again. Um, and I was like, well, all right, I guess I need to, you know, find something else to do. And I'm just sort of looking through like a political science, like newsletter that I got. Um, and I see this like, uh, posting for a position that's like, it, it was remote at the time and it was, um, like research based was, was like kind of the two things that sort of attracted me to it. Cause I didn't know, you know, like you've been sort of alluding to, I was busy. Um, so I didn't know like if I could dedicate, you know, a couple of days a week to go across town to, to go work at some, you know, office. Um, so the, the remote internship is basically what it was, um, was really appealing to me. And I basically just applied and, and got it. And I've, you know, my position has obviously changed a lot since then. Um, but that's, you know, here we are basically four years later, um, just because of, uh, you know, GW on campus job fell through. Here I wow. am. <laughs> that's great. It's crazy how stuff works out like that. It's, it's wild. I think about it a lot, actually. I bet. Yeah. So then, so what was the work that you were actually doing in that first job as a data engineer? Like you were doing, it was a remote internship, but, but what was that research work that that you were talking about? Um, basically I was doing research on like really wealthy individuals, um, trying to learn like for, for a given candidate, you know, like, um, our, the algorithm would identify, you know, here are the top like 100 most likely donors to this candidate. Um, and back then, you know, grassroots relied on a little bit more like manual labor to fill in any gaps in information. Um, so like, you know, if we needed to figure out somebody's phone number or somebody's like work address or something, uh, we relied a little bit more on like contracting out that work to, to interns. Um, that's not really how it works now, but, uh, yeah, it was sort of a, a smaller operation at the time. 
just kind of like, I mean, for, for people in campaigns, they would know this is donor research, but that's, that's exactly. pretty much what you yeah. were doing to, yeah. to just help out with whatever campaigns that, you know, grassroots is contracting with. Yep. Yep. Okay. So then while you were still in college, then you switched into a deputy technical director role. Mm-hmm. Did the work change at all with that? I mean, new title, were you given more responsibilities? You were still in school managing the same thing still going to class still in the band um what did that work look like yeah i mean when when i started uh, as like deputy technical director it was more of um as opposed to you know doing the research it was it was more of like the data the the analysis basically um so i was learning i mean a lot of that frankly was just like learning the system and and like learning how the process worked but mostly, you know, it, it had to do with like a, a client request for, for some like piece of information, um, querying the database that we have, um, you know, getting the info in like a usable sort of format um, and, and sending it off to, to the to the candidate or the client, I should say. Um, so, yeah, it, that became more of like a, you know, tech. I mean, it, as the title may suggest, that became a lot more of like a technical role. Um, where I was actually like interacting with the algorithm, um, you know, I, I was learning how to code, um, and I was just sort of, yeah, I think that's that's how I would describe it. Was there a moment somewhere in you know in either job where it maybe confirmed or you realized that this was at least for the intermediate future, this was mm-hmm. what you wanted to do, that you wanted to continue to do this work? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was probably um, when I made the transition from just like doing research to like actually interacting with the algorithm and the database, um, you know, that that was just like exciting. It, it was an exciting transition. And like, you know, obviously I, I have stuck with that um, for, for the past few years. And, you know, I, I think that is sort of to answer your question, like when I really realized like, oh, this is, you know, it's more than just like doing some sort of laborious research it's actually like doing some cool you know analytics and some cool like coding projects and um you know interacting with campaigns and figuring out what they need figuring out you know how they can best fundraise um and you know along the way meeting all kinds of like really cool um inspiring people i you know that maybe is another time where i thought oh this is like actually really really rewarding work is like when we would get to go to you know a fundraiser for for a candidate like um you know morgan harper who who ran against joyce Beatty a couple of years ago um she came to dc and we went to a fundraiser that she was having and just like being able to meet being able to meet the candidates is actually like some of the more rewarding moments um at, at grassroots obviously it's you know just cool to see these people who like i feel as though you know i have at least some small hand in helping them um so yeah, I, I would say you know figuring out the the actual like database and the the technical side of it, along with actually getting to interact with candidates, um, that's really when I realized you know this is this is some pretty cool work. Was that an easy transition then, going from doing all of that kind of you know somewhat part time while you were in school to then being brought on full time after graduation? I mean, I assume that, you know, you obviously had a pretty good in there, so it, it probably was not the the same stress of someone that would not have that uh, connection graduating from college. I mean, 
yeah. was that kind of just like a seamless transition for you? Did it just make sense to to take on more and and start putting in more hours there? You know, I, I the harder transition was more so just like lifestyle from like being okay, like I'm going to the office, you know, three days a week, and then the rest of the time, like I'm studying, doing exams, like writing papers, um, and then becoming like okay. I go to the office every single day for eight hours a day. And like, yeah, it, I, the work itself, you know, the transition was pretty seamless. Um, my job, it changed. Like I took on more responsibilities and, you know, more client facing work, stuff like that. But I, I think the the bigger transition I went through was, you know, living in DC as a college student and then living in DC, DC, post-grad that that really was a you know a big transition obviously if you could go back and talk to yourself right before you left college and started you know into that schedule what would you tell yourself I think I would tell myself to keep your weekends as free as possible um I don't know as far as work maybe well okay so then so you talked about how like more so than just the work it was the schedule which i definitely mm. uh, completely agree with too that your schedule as a college student i felt uh made a lot more sense to me than once i started yeah. working full time and i was pretty much just on the clock all the time it felt like right so what were you struggling with the most then early on cuz you know i would assume that by mm. now it just kind of seems like you have somewhat handled it or at least learn how to operate better within this new schedule this new cycle so Mm -hmm. you know kind of what what was so was so tough for you uh when you were first kind of transitioning into that into that new space yeah uh i okay so i think that's yeah that helps me answer this um i i think knowing when to stop uh working is was something that took me a while to to learn um you know knowing that like um, you know, you don't have to leave every day with an inbox of zero with absolutely no tasks left to do. Um, obviously, you know, you want to get as much done as possible, but, um, I think figuring out that, Hey, like it's five, it's five fifteen, and like you have, you know, done most of your work, like you can, you can probably take off and, and go and get some other stuff done. Um, cause I, yeah, like, you know, I would, I would start when I first started, you know, I, I wouldn't leave until I was at like inbox zero with no tasks left to complete. And then, you know, I, I would be getting home at like six thirty seven, And like, obviously, you know, there, there are people who that really is like how they, ha- you know, the, everybody's like employer has a different attitude towards that, I think. Um, but I do think, you know, the, the idea of like having a good, you know, work-life balance is important. Um, like figuring out like, oh yeah, it's good to have like your, your evenings free so you can like work out or, um, you know, meet up with people like pre-pandemic of course um yeah just just figuring out like when you can you know sort of take off um and not just for the day like you know it's okay to take vacations um it's okay to take you know long weekends every once in a while um yeah i think that was a big transition for me and I, you know pe- like i said everybody's like employer may have different attitudes about that but um yeah, I'm fortunate to where, you know, where I work, it is it is sort of a culture of like, you know, don't stay here till 7 p.m. 
um, there's always another day that work that work's not going anywhere. Um, so just, you know, do what you can and, and don't kill yourself over little stuff. Sure. I feel like at least myself, I'm, I'm interested in it today and I work, uh, adjacent to it and with it. And I know that in college, I definitely, um, would have been really interested in listening to someone who works in political consulting, someone who works with the campaigns, not as a direct staffer, but as a aid, as a, as a help to sure. a bunch of different campaigns. What have been some of the biggest surprises for you, uh, maybe, you know, just as kind of an outside fan of politics and then working really directly with a lot of these campaigns, or maybe Mm -hmm. if there was a big surprise that you saw going from, you know, kind of part-time and then getting a lot more involved with the campaigns, what would have been some, you know, big surprises for you in political consulting? Yeah. Uh, the big one that like is, uh, more of a big picture thing that probably a lot of people don't realize is just how, important like fundraising is um and like obviously you know we all know or i mean people who are like political junkies know that like amy mcgrath raises millions of dollars and like everybody knows that it's really really expensive to run for office but i don't think people really have their minds wrapped around just how huge of a percentage of uh, a candidate's time is spent fundraising um and and that's just it's just like on every level of government, like there, there's no situation where having more money doesn't make your life easier um, as, a, as a candidate, as a campaign. Um, you know, you, you hear like candidates say like, oh, you know, my district is unique. Um, I can win, you know, without outspending my opponent. Um, and I, you know, it, I hate to burst like people who may find think that's true. Like I hate to burst their bubble, but it's almost never true you almost always need more money than your opponent. Um, And it's like, this is a reality that, you know, I don't think should be the case. Like I would love if, you know, a handful of progressive senators got in there and, you know, passed legislation to put limits on campaign spending or, um, you know, even just like as a long-term goal, you know, if we had fully publicly funded elections, like I think that would go a long way to really, enabling like high quality people to run for office like fundraising is such a huge barrier to a lot of those really really high quality candidates um who don't have time or have effort or connections to to fundraise um so yeah i I think that's the big the big one uh that i learned post-grad is just like money is everything in in politics i in the little bit that i've also been working in campaigns and the i guess kind of more that I have been privy to information wise and the decision making process of campaigns. It's, it's pretty alarming how important money is. And I've had people reach out to me and say, Hey, I think it would be really cool if they say this, not about me, but about them. You know, if I ran for Congress in our home district, like, do you think that can be a real thing? And it's like, well, step one, are you going to be able to raise at least $300,000 every quarter of a year? based off of people that you know and and unfortunately because that is a massive barrier for a ton of people which makes total sense and it shouldn't be but that is also just the reality of the situation totally 
Yeah, All it's right, crazy. So it's it's a big, it's a huge barrier. That's that's the number one word I would say I would use to describe it. It's just like a, a massive barrier for entry. Yeah, unfortunately. You had talked a little bit about how some of the most fulfilling parts of the job are when you get to, you know, meet the candidates and spend time with them, you know, the people that the people that are convincing you to raise and to spend millions of dollars on them, right? I mean, they're kind mm -hmm. of the core of this whole thing. What are other aspects of your job that, you know, are really rewarding to you or that make you want to continue to do this work? Um, I mean, I, I actually really enjoy strategizing, um, like when a campaign or, you know, uh, like a lot of times I don't on a day-to-day -day basis speak directly to the candidates. Like I, I talk to, you know, their finance staff a lot of the time. Um, and yeah, like strategizing with, with them about like, okay, who, who should we be reaching out to? Like, what's the best avenue to reach, um, you know, these people, uh, like, should we be calling them? Should we be texting them? Should we be emailing them? Um, yeah, I really enjoy putting together a strategy. Um, I also, I sort of alluded to this earlier, but I do love like the analysis of it. Um, and as I've been at grassroots longer, you know, I've gotten like more into the weeds of kind of the back end, um, where, you know, just building new variables and updating the database and, and cleaning the data, um, it, it's just like for some reason it's like very like I guess it's just like the way my mind works it's like very like pleasing to like get a really messy like set of data and like cleaning it up and getting it into our database like correctly is just like really I enjoy it can you talk a little bit about that um, like what what does that mean getting a messy set of data and then cleaning that up so that someone can use it what does that look like yeah I mean you know it's like oh we do a lot of like swapping and trading of like data on like you know who's donating to who and like the amounts and the dates and getting that all i mean a big part of cleaning it means like getting it all in the same format um i don't know like how into the weeds or how like interesting this will be for people get, who aren't like get as detailed as possible <laughs> i mean it's like you know you, you get a csv of like a list of people who've given to a specific candidate and like half of the people have, you know, last name, comma, first name. And some of the people have like first name, space, last name. It's like, well, we got to get them all kind of the same way. Um, and you know, half of the people like their state is listed as Ohio. And then like half of the people, their state is the two letter OH abbreviation. Um, you know, getting that all sort of the same, um, you know, pe people have like, dollar signs in front of the number that they gave or some people are lacking dollar signs just getting everything like so that it's in the same you know format and shape and it's just like it's like you get something and it's like all right well this is a puzzle that i basically have to figure out um and how, how do we get this all you know nice easy searchable readable like that's really what data analysis is is like here's all this information let's just like streamline it get it clean get it looking nice um so that like people who aren't as into data and who aren't as into like parsing through you know this sort of like chaotic information um just making it digestible for for them it, it's fun i, I enjoy it <laughs> no i 100 percent, and i also think that it's one of those things where there might be a bunch of different industries that all say data an or data analysis data analytics you know something like that 
Um, I just think it's, you know, it's, it's interesting to know what does that actually mean? Because right. I feel like a lot of people say it, but very rarely do people actually yeah. explain what that, what and, that and it can like. be, I think like depending on the industry, like I'm sure it's not always like that. Like a, a big part of data analysis that doesn't get talked about is like data collection. Like where do all these data points come from? Um, and the answer to that is like a million different places. Like there, there's data available from the FEC that we use. Um, every state has its own set of like campaign finance data that is at different levels of availability. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot, you're right that there's a lot that could go into analysis. Like so much, a huge percent of it is, is literally just like cleaning it up and making it usable. Um, but it's all important. All, you know, every step of the process is important. Yeah. And just kind of like a side note, I think it makes a lot of sense why you enjoy doing this and why it seems like you really enjoy this job just because from what you've talked about between, you know, attending fundraisers, um, analyzing data, strategizing with campaigns, working with their finance teams, um, Mm -hmm. working with, uh, you know, I presume interns and people in different departments within grassroots that your job, you get to do a lot of different things and you have to do a lot of different things every single day. And just kind of based on what you did in college and now just makes sense that that's something that you know you would really like and another thing that that you just mentioned that i love is like teaching people um and i I, i'm not necessarily talking about like teaching you know candidates or finance staff about like data like i love like when we bring on new staff like training them and helping them like learn and grow um i find that really rewarding i don't know if i necessarily want to be like a teacher um but I, I do like, you know, in small doses, getting to like teach and, and help people grow. You know, if it's uh, if it's just kind of like the mindset of we're all on the same team, we all got to mm-hmm. get to the same place. So yep. you're only as good as your weakest link type thing. Then you might as well try to make sure that everyone oh, yeah. is at least OK at the thing that you're all trying to work on. Right. right. I want to talk a little bit about the band now. Um Formerly known as the Colonies, recently renamed as the Crystal Casino Band. Can you talk a little bit about that and and the renaming process that you guys just recently underwent? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, so the the name, the initial name, the Colonies, like, uh, you know, honestly, I never loved the name. I I will admit that I came up with it. Um, <laughs> it was like like so. GW's mascot is the Colonials. Um, and, and just like, you know, we, Pete and I like met, agreed to like start a band and it's like, all right, well, what are we going to call it? And it literally like colonies was such a placeholder, um, I felt at the time and it, it just like, we never really got back around to addressing it. Um, and you know, we went through, I, I guess five years we were the colonies, um, and it included like performance, you know, it, all, a lot of our music was released under the colonies. Um, it included, you know, a performance at the 930 Club, which is like a, a pretty legendary venue in, in D.C. And then um, we played at the Anthem, which is like probably the, the like premier. I mean, I'm not to not just trying to brag, but it was probably like the it's it's like the biggest like venue in D.C. That's not like Capital One Arena, um, where obviously like the Caps and the Wizards play. Um, so like it was a big deal to depart from the colonies because it was just like you know we weren't like super famous or anything but every every like fan that we had 
new of us as the colonies. Um, I think the issue was really like, you know, colonies and colonizing and colonialism is sort of a loaded term, right? Like there's a lot of implications um, uh, about what what that means. And honestly, the intention of it, it, it came from a place of like, you know, George Washington was the leader of the colonial army. You know, it, it had nothing to do with European colonization of, of Africa or any sort of like, it, it had nothing to do with anything like political. Like, obviously we're all very progressive. We're all like liberal, you know, we weren't trying to like offend anybody. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I hope that goes without saying, but you know, people like did take offense to the name. Um, and it, it really was just like, uh, it, it sort of peaked last summer. Uh, I want to say like with everything that was happening, you know, with all the, the black lives matter protests and you know everything, like it just really like kind of hit home for us. Um, you know, especially like what was going on in, you know, Columbus, um, where I grew where, where you and I grew up and, um, you know, Pete's from, Pete's from Chicago. And I mean, it doesn't really matter where we're from. It's just like, the point is it really hit home that like, okay, you know, maybe the name that we're using is like not okay. Um, and, and so we just thought like the best thing to do would be to sort of acknowledge that and like kind of put it to rest. Um, again, like it never had any bad intentions, but you know, it's sometimes it's just better to just say like, Hey, like we realize this may be inappropriate. So we're, we're just going to change it. Um, and then the, you know, the process of, of picking a new name was like a lot of just like, I, we, we must've put like a, a hundred names up for, for consideration. And then, um, there was like a series of, at the time there was only three of us. It was, it was me, Peter and, and Jared. Um, this is before Jordan came back. And, uh, yeah, it was like literally a process of like voting, eliminating, like we were having like runoff elections, like voting, <laughs> eliminating the people who didn't get votes, voting again, just eliminating, whittling them down. Um, and then it, we got to, to Crystal Casino and it, it's even sort of evolved to the Crystal Casino band. Um, cause it's just like a, like a casino house band basically, um, is the idea. So um, yeah, we, I know, I'm not sure what, like, it really means or anything. I think it was sort of based on, um, Crystal City is a suburb of DC that, you know, Pete was briefly living in Crystal City. So I think that may have been like the, the first time, like it came to anyone's mind. Um, and, uh, yeah, I like it. I, I think I prefer it to the colonies and obviously there's no, um, sort of racially charged controversy behind yeah. it. So, <laughs> Well, that's a big move. And I, you know, yeah. I, I think that's cool of you guys for doing that. But also just, you know, you think for any band, especially like you were saying, you guys were booking big rooms. I mean, like yeah. you guys were really playing in D.C. and to kind yeah. of say, I know that everyone knows this by this name, but now we're going to completely switch it. Yeah. And, you and know, you know the, the, was the for the right reason, right? Like, yeah. And, and the, like the thing of it also is just like, I think the music that we're making now is like higher quality than we've ever put out. Um, and we're also like, we take the business side of it a lot more seriously than we used to. Um, so we, we do a lot more work on like promoting our music and like, you know, pushing it out to influencers and people on YouTube to use. And, um, 
So, you know, hopefully, like, the Crystal Casino band... And we a big victory was getting our Colonies music back onto the Crystal Casino Spotify account. Like, it was under there as, like, two separate bands. Um, and it, it took a really long time. Like, it, there's a lot of, like, complicated royalties things and stuff that sort of was a barrier there. But we finally got it all back on one page. Um, so now it's all just one artist's, like, discography. Um, so, yeah, I mean, hopefully now, like, uh, we still play, like, the Colonies music. Um, there's still all our songs. Um, I mean, we haven't played a live show in over a year, but, um, you know, hopefully soon we will. And, and uh, hopefully, like, the Crystal Casino band will just be, you know, bigger than the Colonies ever was. I mean, I certainly think they will be, obviously, <laughs> And when you're sponsoring massive podcasts like this one, I, mean, right. I think that it kind of speaks it's a for big itself. Boost. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm kind of just curious, how was that? So I guess while you guys were the colonies, but while you guys are booking big shows in D.C. and, you know, opening for bigger name artists. Mm-hmm. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but at the time, none of you are doing the band full time, right? Like you're all still doing other things as well as mm-hmm. doing the band. So how were you guys able to to do that? I mean, your guys' music is great, but I just I would assume that it requires more than just making really good music to be able to do those things. And you guys were all doing them kind of like on the side. So so how were yeah. you guys able to do that? I mean, it's a lot of, um, I will say that like the, the thing that would force us all to like get together would be like, you know, practicing for a gig or, I mean, we don't even really like record music, um, all at the same time. Like we, we sort of, so we work with, um, a producer, uh, like a, a, two guys who, who produce a lot of our music It's Sunday coffee in DC is the name of their like little label i guess you'd call it um and we go like kind of one at a time into their you know basement studio um, and like they'll lay down guitars and vocals and then bass and then i'll usually go last so it, it is like from a scheduling perspective like we don't all have to have the same you know three hours a week available um so that that helps a little bit uh like when it comes to you know practicing for shows like yeah, like we'll just find it, you know, a Saturday or a Sunday that works. And then, um, you know, we, we've learned, I mean, it, it was hard in college to like find time all that we could meet and rehearse. And sometimes that meant like, you know, we got to, we have like at Wednesday at 10 PM, like we can get together and rehearse for two hours. And like, that's just what we did sometimes. Um, it, it's, it's a little, that is not really ever necessary post-grad. Um, like usually we just find a weekend that works and just kind of get together. But, you know, beyond the music stuff, like the practicing and the recording, a lot of the, you know, promotions is just like sending emails. Um, yeah. Like doing some, doing some research on like potential shows we want to play on. Um, yeah. Reaching out to people. It's, it's all, it's all stuff you can kind of do remote. Uh, I think like a lot of stuff has become. Um, so Yeah what have you found has been the best way to kind of get your guys's music out and to get more people to listen to it? Because last I looked on Spotify and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you know this off the top of your I head, don't know. but I think you guys have something like over 60,000 monthly listeners, which is definitely not nothing. I mean, that's yeah. I, like, I th- is that like when you hear that, is that really cool to you? Or are you just thinking like, 
I make the music, I put it out, and then if people like it, great. And if not, we're still making this. Yeah, I mean, it's super cool, and I'm very like grateful that people listen. Uh, a big way that we get it out to people. Well, I'll just say this: like Pete is uh, like a a whiz kid when it comes to you know, well, songwriting. First of all, he's the he's the chief songwriter, um, and then like he knows everything about music promotion too. Um, so what we do is we on Spotify, like you know, there's playlists that people like curate. Um, so we reach out to like people who curate playlists, try and get it on there. Um, we send it to you know, YouTubers who may want to use it. Um, are, I think the biggest like name who, who's ever, um, like used one of our songs was actually like, man, I don't know her name actually, but it, it's, it's Billie Eilish's like brother's girlfriend. So sort of okay. tangential, but she uses our songs occasionally. And like oh, that, awesome. the, the songs that she uses have like the most views by far on, on Spotify and on everything else. Um, but yeah, YouTube, uh, we email a lot of blogs like music blogs to try and get some coverage. Um, you know, I, I probably email every radio station in the country whenever we put out a new song. Um, trying to think what else TikTok has, has sort of become a big one now. Um, trying to find like TikTokers who might want to use our songs and like, it's kind of funny. I'm not really on TikTok, So I, this isn't like my forte, but we try and figure out like, which of our songs could potentially be like a funny TikTok? I don't know if you're on TikTok, but I love TikTok. Do I'm you? all about TikTok. Yeah. Well, if you ever have any ideas, you know, for, for <laughs> what what a Crystal Casino song could could be used for. Right um, now, we'll we'll put this out to anyone listening. Yeah. Go listen to all of the songs Crystal Casino Band has ever put out, and if there is an inspiration for a TikTok, <laughs> just, please get just in touch do it. with them. Hey, you can just do it. You know, just just make it. Um, Start but, making them. Yeah, we we reach out to TikTokers and try and get them to use it. Um, just, you know, as many people, like, you know, you think about, like, everything that goes on, like, on the internet that could potentially, like, need some background music. You know, we have, like, instrumental versions of all of our songs that we can send without singing. Um, so, you know, you'll, you'll, like, go on, like, a random, like, skateboarding video on YouTube and just, like, the instrumental from our music is just being used. Um, it's kind of funny. Uh, but, you know. It, it works. It's there's a, a lot of uh, just sort of random streams come through that. Um, we also do some like ads, some Google and Facebook ads, Instagram ads, um, and we have a YouTube channel that we vlog on, which is it's a lot of fun. <laughs> do you think that there is a misconception that people who are not in a band have about people that are in a band? Like, do you think that there is maybe some idea or something that people imagine when they think of like having a band being in one versus what it's actually like. Yeah. Well, I will say that the number one thing it's maybe not the, the number one thing that is a huge part of being in a band that nobody really considers is just moving stuff around, like moving drums, moving amps, moving guitars, um, especially when it comes to like gigs, but even like we shot a music video, um, I don't know, it's probably been two months at this point, the waste my time music video. And I had to like carry my drums. Like I didn't bring my whole drum set, which is sitting right here. It's why I'm looking over here, but, um, I didn't bring the whole thing, but you still, I still had to carry like my bass drum and like all this like hardware, um, 
so yeah mo moving stuff around is a much bigger part of it than you probably would realize <laughs> it's a lot of moving I don't know if you think it's a big deal because obviously you've been working on a bunch of different stuff for a while, but is it difficult for you still to try to manage being in the band, the full-time work that you're doing at Grassroots, and you know, then just being a person, just managing yourself and you know, doing kind of self-care and doing that? Is it tough for you to ever manage all of that? Um, yeah, I mean, it can be. I, I think the thing that like probably gets um neglected is maybe like you know i don't always just like have time to like somebody will be like hey you want to you know grab dinner or something it's like yeah I, a lot of times i just like don't have time to do stuff like that like social things outside of like my coworkers and my bandmates like there's not a ton of just like free time for that um but you know i i make sure like i work out almost every single day um in some capacity whether that be just like you know, doing some like callous, like doing some like ab exercises in my apartment or if I actually get to go to the gym. Um, you know, I, I'm a big, I'm a big morning person. So I get up really, really early in the morning. What time? Um, which what time do you get up? Is a bit, um, uh, I probably average waking up around five thirty and then getting out of bed like Are by you a six. Five <laughs> thirty? <laughs> you got, I, it just like, it's, I don't know. I yeah, if you get it earlier start in the day, like my the big thing is like getting in there, getting work done before more work comes in. That that's been big for me. Um and then obviously like I can sometimes leave early like I I was talking about earlier, but yeah, I, I get up really early, you know, I don't I don't uh stay up too late. I'm usually in bed by like ten. Um you know, there's time. Everybody yeah, we all have the same twenty four hours in the day, so you you can uh you can do with it what you want. If you value sleeping, you can you can you can sleep till nine. Um, if you value you know working out, you can find time to do it. It's just all about what your personal priorities are. Um, so yeah. So then, would you say that that's kind of been a big thing for you? I don't know how into the research of Dan Pink you are, but he does a lot on time of day and um, how everyone kind of has their own biological clock of when you're at your best, when you kind of take a lull, and then kind of when you, you know, do a little bounce back. Mm. Um, basically, the core of everything that he says is that in order to be your best, you need to figure out when you're at your best. Yeah. And it kind of just seems like because you've realized that you can operate at a really high level, you know, in the mornings and you like to be up oh, yeah. that you've just kind of learned, okay, I, I'll be up, I'll get stuff done. And then I can go on with the rest of my day. So would yeah. you say that like the, the way that you're able to manage all this stuff is just because you know how you work best? Yeah. And I, I actually think, um, you know, I, I know myself really well. Like I, I know when I'm like burnt out. Um, I know when I'm like, you know, exhausted. Um, I also know when I'm like restless, um, meaning like I know when I need to like get up and do something. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a, that's very true. Um, I also definitely figured this out in college. Like when I freshman year, like I realized like I f cannot do classes at like 6 PM. Like it's just not happening. Like I'll lose focus. I'll like, I even would like doze off sometimes. Um, but those like 8 AM classes, like I retained every word. I just remembered everything. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm fortunate. I think that I figured it out in college. Um, and like, 
I guess sitting in class will do that because you literally get like a grade based on you know how well you retain this information um so yeah it was just like wow I I really tend to do the best in the the earliest classes I take um and I was always big on like you know between classes I was doing homework um I would always try and be done with my homework by like dinner time um yeah I just like to pack because I know once it gets to be you know five six I'm just like I'm way less productive there's no way um so yeah would you say that there are any crossovers between politics and music that people might not expect um I think well I you know being organized is something that would help you I think in any situation um being on time like being on time to a rehearsal you know you start the rehearsal on time you're way more efficient during the rehearsal um like similarly you know i have a meeting with a client if i'm five minutes late to that that's five minutes wasted so yeah i i think you know being organized and being on time is always always going to help you out um and uh you know i i think like being able to creatively solve problems is something that I've learned from music. Um, like being able to, you know, hear a, hear a song that I'm being presented and like figure out what is the appropriate drum part. Like it's not a one-to-one thing, but that's, you know, just being able to like problem solve, um, comes up a lot in music. And then also just like in my work and in everything else. Before I get into the final four questions really quick, I just want to ask if there is anything that you would like to talk about that you have not gotten a chance to so far. You know, I know the the purpose of this podcast is like to help people like, um, like get their, you know, sort of start in the professional world. Um, and I think like, I was thinking about this on my walk home today. Like, I think two things that people should really like, embrace especially if you're if you're like in school and, and you're looking at like jobs i i think you know there, there's two things that i think might scare a lot of people away from certain opportunities but i actually think can be really great um a like employment that has a definite end date um can actually be like really good for you um like obviously in the world of campaigns you know i mean i'm not advocating that people go and work on a campaign to be honest, like it's, it's sometimes like really hard work. Um, but there's some things there, there's sometimes something nice about like, okay, I'm starting this and it, it ends at this date and like, yeah, then you don't know what's coming up afterwards, but that way it's just like another thing to get, you know, under your belt. Um, and then the other thing, it worked out really, really well for me, but I, I think working at like a really small company is so cool. Um, and I, I really think like, you know, if you're looking, if you're just like coming out of school and maybe you have a couple places you're thinking about working and one of them is a huge company and one of them is, you know, a small startup, I I would personally recommend, you know, there, there's a lot about a startup that is just like really awesome. And obviously there, there's, a you know, stability and benefits that come with a, a huge company, but you never know, like I was probably the second or third, like I was probably the second full-time hire, um, at grassroots. Um, and since then, you know, we've, we've, there's now like 20 people that work at grassroots and like 
being there through all that um, has just been like a really, really cool experience. And, you know, when I, when I signed on, like I didn't know that it was going to work out that well. Um, obviously there's always the potential that like things fall apart, but then, you know, like I said, sometimes it, when, when something ends and it's not because you quit or got fired, you know, that's sometimes like a really good thing too. So yeah, I, I just think like young people graduating, like short-term employment, not a bad thing. And then, um, you know, explore like small businesses. I think it's really cool. I actually really want to second the first thing that you said, the, you know, work that has a end. That's actually one of the things that I like the most about <laughs> having worked in campaigns and continuing to find jobs in campaigns is I think it's maybe the same reason that I like theater. It's that kind of like yeah. it happens that one time and then it's done. Yep. Like like you have that experience, you know that, okay, every single day I have this one shot at doing this and working towards this goal. And then whether I'm ready for it, whether I've worked hard enough for it, it's going to end regardless. Yeah. So I think it kind of just kind of, I don't know, reframes the way that you look at every single day. Right, right. And then like, yeah, like I said, like you're, it, you're not going to, it's going to end without, it's, it's going to end and not on a bad note, most likely, you know, you, you're not going to get fired or quit. I mean, unless you, unless you do get fired or quit, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's not like a, there's an off ramp that isn't necessarily, you know, a bad thing. Yeah. So Final four questions. We're gonna get through okay. these, and then you are good to go. I know you. I know you've had a had a long day. And I'm sure <laughs> you have a lot more that you need oh, to get to fun. after this. It's fun. Um, favorite job you've ever had? Um, probably. Oh shoot! I don't know. Probably working for GW. Um, like. Move, moving people's furniture in and out of dorms it really felt like summer camp and it was just like a lot of fun oh really yeah that was like a, it was like something i did in college but it was just like okay. me and like some really good friends of mine and we just worked for the university and we just moved people's furniture around the dorms who needed it um and i got to drive a truck which was awesome um so yeah <laughs> nothing wrong with a truck um <laughs> <laughs> who are the people that you admire the most and that could be professionally personally musically however you want to interpret that um i think you know my parents i think that they both have they both have done like really good like they both have carved out like pretty cool careers um and like i think both of them you know have like you know, they, they have their priorities straight, I would say, just, like, in terms of, like, you know, they their work is, like, a means to an end. But, and that might sound weird, but, like, they don't get bogged down in, like, oh, I had a bad day at work. Like, they have really good perspective on just, like, the, the reason they're at work is just to, you know, make a living. And they both love what they do, but at the end of the day, like, it's not their whole life. Um, and I, I think that's important. Um, and so, yeah, that that's just, like, a good solid answer, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is your dream job? Uh, studio musician, Nashville, Tennessee. Alrighty. Yeah, just like for hire, like uh, you know Taylor Swift rolls through, and she's like, "I need a drummer," and I just like, just play and just go to the studio and just record music all day. So Not you necessarily just want to? For... Yeah, so you just want to be the guy on call that when someone needs someone, 
Okay, yeah. let's get Joey in here. Yeah, like here's a song. Like I'll listen to it on the drive in, and then I'll like know it pretty well, and I'll play it, and then um, they'll give me notes, and we'll we'll work on it. Um, but yeah, for for hire, yeah, I like that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, and what is one thing you're trying to accomplish within the next year? And that can be work wise, you know, personally. But one thing that if we were to talk a year from now that you would, you know, most want to talk about you having done? Um, I think, uh, I'll say I have more interesting musical goals. Um, I think I would like to have, um, an album's worth of songs that I wrote as opposed to like completed, recorded everything that, that like I personally wrote, like I don't write most of our songs, um, but I'm, I'm like, you know, I have like some songs, song ideas. Um, and I would like to like see one, see a, a collection of them all the way through. Well, yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah. and listen, I hope that we are talking a year from now and that, you know, <laughs> on that episode, I get to play one of those new songs yeah. as the, as the music for the podcast. Um, but Joey, thanks. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Of course. It was a pleasure. Welcome to the follow-up. So I don't know if you have a friend or a couple of friends that make you feel like you aren't doing enough and sort of motivate you to do more, obviously in a good way, um, but Joey is absolutely one of those friends for me. I said it in the interview, but it really was pretty obvious, even in high school, that Joey was going to do amazing things and then waste absolutely no time doing them. So it has been so cool to watch what he has been able to accomplish so far and to see all the things that he is probably going to be able to do very, very soon. There is one fact check from the interview, which is that the Crystal Casino Band currently has 58,898 monthly listeners on Spotify, and they can obviously always use more, so please go check them out wherever you like to stream music. On the topic of the band, I would like to take this time to let everyone in the Washington, D.C. area know that they will be playing their first live show since the beginning of the pandemic tomorrow, Saturday, June 19th, 2021, at the Pearl Street Warehouse. They will be joined by Jeff Draco, and the concert will start at 8 p.m. Again, their first live show since the start of the pandemic. They are known for their live show, so you will not want to miss this. You can find tickets at crystalcasinoband.com, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-C-A-S-I-N-O-B-A-N-D.com. I got through that. Okay. Also, follow them on Instagram at Crystal Casino Band and Twitter at Crystal Casino DC. So in past episodes, I feel like right now I would launch into some big speech. However, I'm going to save that for another episode. And I wanted to share a bonus story um, that Joey very kindly told at the very, very end of our recording. So I, for whatever reason, love bad day at work stories. Um, you know, 
dropping a tray of water, walking out to a table, maybe sending an email to the wrong person or the wrong email to everyone. Maybe you made a joke uh, when you thought you were muted on a Zoom call or you did anything on a Zoom call um, that you probably should not have. Hashtag Jeffrey Tubin. And I don't know why, but I think those stories are hilarious. And I think that it makes every bad day at work seem a little less miserable. So Joey has, in my opinion, one of the best uh, bad day at work stories of all time. It was not specifically him, but it was while he was at the job. So as a bonus for making it this far, I had Joey tell us that story. And I really hope that you enjoy it. Thank you all for listening today. If the episode made you think of anyone, please send it over to them. And also, if you feel so inclined, I would greatly appreciate if you would rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. One last time, here's Joey Mamlin. I'll let you take it away, but it's just an incident that happened while you were an associate at Trek Bike Stores. Yeah, Trek Bike Store in in our in our neighborhood. So yeah, so please. Yeah, Westerville, Ohio. So I, we grew up in Dublin, but I worked at a truck store in Westerville. Um, for those of you in the Columbus area, you know. For those of you not, just imagine it. I don't know. Um, and, and so basically, I the the long and short of it is, um, I I wasn't a repair person necessarily. Um, I did some like small stuff, but I was mostly like a sales associate. Um, and one time, you know, this guy. He brought in a, a pink bicycle, like a little, like a girl's bike, um, like actually for a child. And he brought it back and he, he says, you know, there's a, there's a warranty claim on this, like Trek recalled the bike. Um, and it's, it's, you know, here it is. Like they told me to bring it in and we checked it out. You know, the, the protocol was saw the bike in half. Like it's, it's not safe to ride. We don't want anybody like pulling it out of the trash and riding it. So the, the instruction was like, I, I brought it back to the service area and I was like, this bike needs to be sawed in half. And nobody thought that was weird because it was like the protocol. And so I, I leave it back there. I say like, all right, saw this bike in half. I go back, you know, I'm doing my thing on the, on the floor, like helping people out. Another guy brings in a bike in the meantime. And he's like a, a pink child's bike, but it was a, a Schwinn, which is not a Trek no, importantly not a track um and it's you know there's something wrong with the kickstand the kickstand needed to be tightened so i could bring it back there as all right tighten the kickstand there, there's a huge queue of bikes like we were busy um and so you know go back do my thing i walk back to the service station just to see what's up see my friends um and there's two guys actually two two i i'm not gonna say their names uh just because i don't want to out them but two two people i see just like hacking away at this bike this pink bike and I, I just like look at it and I'm just like I'm like all right yeah that's normal everything's looks good and I, I look like I tell you like a like I like sort of move my head like this I realize like oh that you guys are selling a Schwinn in half right now which is you know the wrong bike sure. it, the wrong bike is the is the point of the story um so you know that's what happened on the back end obviously what the customer's experience was he brought in his daughter's bike for us to fix the kickstand and we just sawed it right in half. It made it completely unrideable. Um, and I, as, I think as he sawing a bike in half does. <laughs> yeah, you can't do. You can't. And it's the kickstand. I'm sure never got addressed. Um, but I think he ended up with a brand new, you know, pink bike. I hope so. Um, 
<laughs> he did. <laughs> that was, what a terrible day. He's like, yeah, you know, you need your kickstand replaced and just bring it in. They'll they'll saw it right in half over at Trek. Um, so yeah, ch- shout out to my former employer, Trek Trek Bikes. Hopefully they uh, oh I don't care. They could. Uh, I don't work there anymore. I guess. Did you face matter. any repercussions for that? Did you take the brunt of anything with with that incident? Uh, I think we all kind of got yelled at. Sure. Um, I think you know I my involvement was really just like I didn't provide like clear enough direction you were just like putting I, bikes back there I, I was just yeah I, I was yeah. just tossing bikes back there and and to I didn't it didn't even cross my mind that the wrong bike would get sawed in half to be honest um but it it did it happens it can happen uh it's very much like a you know a measure twice cut once sort of situation like mm-hmm. really make sure that's a trek before you saw it in half um <laughs> so yeah I, I I feel like we got yelled at but I don't I don't remember any real repercussions I'll be honest, Joey, I have thought about that story <laughs> since you told it to me the first time, like right after it happened, so but I've thought about that story every single time I've had a bad day at work, Yeah, just, just because I think I didn't saw a child's bike in half no, today. No. <laughs> so it's really and not And how that could bad. you even do something that bad? Like, if you really think about it, like, someone directly suffered because of that. Like, I ruined, well, I mean, we girl. ruined someone's yeah. day. Yeah, like, it's just... It's too bad, but you live and you learn, you know? (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Um, This is awesome, man. I really love having you on. Totally, totally. 